and welcome to a special edition of Milkshake Monday. As many of you may understand, we're coming up on a holiday and normally Milkshake Monday is done on Monday night. So tomorrow is Memorial Day and I wanted to take the opportunity to share my wishes and prayers for all of those who are remembering people, whether you lost them due to them being service members in a war or some event that you know, sickness and disease, tragedies, suicide. There's so many reasons why we have lost loved ones, friends and family and those who have served. And I just wanted to recognize that. Also, I wanted to let you know that there's going to be an actual documentary of the burning of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. MSNBC plans to have a special broadcast on tonight, uh, May 30th at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time for those who have that uh, channel. And also CNN tomorrow on Memorial Day, May 31st, plans to have an actual segment to document that event of our memorial of those lost in that tragedy. So if you can check your local listings, that'd be something to learn about for history. Well, tonight... Most people also don't recognize that I work for a living full time as well as to do Milkshake Monday. That's Milkshake Monday is the biggest thing that I believe I can contribute to the kingdom of God uh, as far as sharing with young adults, old adults, and everyone in the middle regarding the gospel. And my role is just being a child of the living God, Jesus Christ, and doing what he commands us to do out of Matthew 28. So tonight, in an effort to share some good news I titled the, the actual teaching, Faithfulness and Growth are not a one-size-fits-all. And I wanted to break it down and make it simple and tell you a few people in the Bible that we're going to remember because I think we fantasize about what it means to be a Christian and how you grow and develop. And when you see these people, whether on TV evangelists or you see people in front of your pulpits and first lady this and pastor this and deacon this and bishop this and trustee, all these titles, you seem, seem to forget they were all sinners saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And I wanted to go over and just tell you about five different people. And I wanted to have young people involved, a woman involved, people who are in the ministry, people who are, are learners or teachers or just regular folks. And so I'm going to briefly go over five people and I want you to see yourself somewhere. You may not identify exactly with any of the people I'm talking about, but what I want you to hear is that when you confess your sins and repent, and yield your life to Jesus Christ. It's a process of growth. You don't just all of a sudden know everything you need to know out of the Bible, understand everything about what Christianity means, what God wants for you in his purpose. It's a process where you're allowing growth and development. Like we always said, you start out with a babe, but the babe grows. And whether you've been in the ministry or you've been in the, in the pew for 40 years, 10 years, or five days, all of us are learners of God. That's what a disciple means, to be learners. And so tonight, I want to just take the time to share simple things about these people that we're going to talk about, but it'll allow you the opportunity to kind of take a breath. I, I recognize all of us are going through the storms of life, the cares of life, but you're not going through them by yourself. Jesus Christ is there with you, praying for you, praying for that person that you'll realize is there as a resource for you to grow and learn. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is there all the time. And he's left these love letters in the word of God that he's given through the inspired 
Holy Spirit inspired men to write the words of God so that you can understand he can train you and teach you. So let's start with something simple. Many people know that we all struggle with sin in our flesh. None of us come out knowing everything and nobody has figured out this fleshly evil lust that all of us have. But we go through struggles. But there are times when Christ intercepts in our lives, just smacks us right in the face because he just comes and he's right in front of us. And there's an opportunity for us to know him. So in John chapter four, we find a woman. That's our first person we're going to look at. And we're going to remember her when we go through our day to day. This woman, just to give you a, a thumbnail, she's come to get some water. And Christ is thirsty and he wants some water. And he asks her for some water. Well, they have an exchange. And that's what you're going to take the time this week and read about that exchange of them talking back and forth. But what happens is he asks about her husband. She doesn't have a husband, she answers. And she basically admits that to him. And he says, you've well said, because you've had five husbands. But I want you all to understand something. When you meet Christ and he finds any of us the way we are, we're in a sinful state, all of us. Until we accept Christ and receive that free gift, all of us are in a sinful state. So I want you to understand that in the state that he finds her in, She's having a problem in her flesh and in her relationships, like a lot of us still do. Even when we accept Christ, there's still a struggle there. I want you to see that even in that struggle, Jesus Christ meets her where she is, doesn't condemn her, talks to her about the truth of where she is, but then she finds herself being a messenger of Christ. And that's what some of us have to recognize, that no matter what state Christ finds us in, we all are sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the truth of God's word says. But she finds herself to be faithful enough to meet Christ and then go tell others. And others knowing her background say, this woman don't usually talk churchy. But here she's talking about the Messiah and she's telling us to come see him. Look at what testimony she has. She's in a state. But she's found faithful enough that when she finds a, the Messiah, Christ Jesus, she goes out and tells people. And there's a life change in her as a result of that interaction with Christ. Now, you say, how does that have to do with faithfulness? Faithfulness is first having the relationship with Christ, having the communication, talking to him. And then once you have found him, he's found you, actually. You found one another. She's faithful enough to say, I don't just want to have this for myself. I want other people to feel the freedom, the love, the understanding that I've got. And I'm going to go tell people in the town, you got to go meet him. There's something special about him. So let's look at John. We're going to start in John chapter four, and we'll, we'll go where it really starts out with a conversation. So in John chapter four, let's start at verse 15. So I'm reading out of the living translation of John chapter four, verse 15. And I'm going to put my glasses on to help myself. So verse 15 reads, it says here, please, sir, the woman said, give me some of the water. This is an interaction they're having. Then I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to make this long trip out here every day. Go and get your husband, he says, Jesus told her. But I'm not married, the woman replied. All too true, Jesus said, for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. 
But say, tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is all is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worship? Now, I want y'all to jump down because I'm not going to keep you long tonight. He tells her about herself, but then she throws something back at him. But I want you to see there's a dialogue that you need to read, but I want you to go to verse 25. Verse 25 of John 4 says, The woman said, Well, at least I know that the Messiah will come, the one they they call Christ. And when he does, he will explain everything to us. Now, you got to stop and understand. She's a Samaritan. The Jews don't get along with the Samaritans. But she's heard enough that she understands that the Christ is coming. And when he comes, there's something for all of them. Now, look at verse 26. Verse 26 says, Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. She didn't have that relationship, that communication, but now he's talked to her. He's exposed who he is to her plainly. If you see other scriptures, he's not as plain to others, but to her, he understood that the Lord drew her in all the mess she was in, five husbands and living with a man. Like some of us are in relationships that are ungodly. We've had past pain, past situations, but God has us meet him. And he lets us know that he's the Messiah. He's the one that loves you. He's the one that can transform your life. He's the one that knows the truth of all your life. And he's not judging you. He's just saying, come be a part of my life. But look at her reaction. She says, she realizes that, you know, he's, he said this thing about me having five husbands and I'm living with a guy and he, he just met me. We're at the water spot. But then look at what she does. Verse 28 of John 4. Then the woman left her water pot beside the well and went back to the village and told everyone that's faithfulness. She's met the Messiah. She believes he's the Messiah. But she doesn't keep it to herself. She's faithful to understand that just like he freed her of that burden, that embarrassment, that shame, that feeling unworthy, that feeling unloved, unappreciated, unknown. She wanted to tell others she was faithful. She had grown up enough in that one instant with Christ to know this is not just for her alone. She wanted to tell everyone. So she tells them, told everyone Come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. What about her? She can come say, come see a man. A woman has had five husbands and living with a man with a reputation in the town. Why can't we share the good news and have people streaming from place to place? What's different about her message, her, her emphasis, her enthusiasm, her passion, her drive? What's, what's going on with us? Now, verse 39 of that same chapter, because I said we're going to move along tonight faster. Many from the Samaritan village believed he was the Messiah because of the woman's report. He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him at the well, they begged him to stay at their village. And he did for two days, long enough for many of them to believe in him after hearing him. Then they said to the woman, now 
We believe because we have heard him ourselves, not just because of what you told us. He is indeed the savior of the world. Look at that example. Look at that example. The example of you don't have to be all cleaned up and fixed up and you think you're going to make yourself right. You can't do it on your own. Let's move on. We were in John 4. Move over a couple of uh, chapters to John 6. Here we have a boy. They said a lad, a child. You've had a woman that has a past, a woman that lived a life in her flesh, bad relationships. Now we have a boy, just a regular boy. So you can't say, I'm a man. I don't want to pay attention to this. I'm a woman. I don't want to pay attention to this. I'm a kid. I'm going to try to touch every facet of everybody. A kid, a lad, has found himself where Christ is coming. He's been going around and he's preaching. And he doesn't just preach no short sermonette. 15 minutes and he's done. One hour and he's done. Two hours and he's done. He was there for hours all day. To the point this boy who wanted to hear Jesus, his mama or him packed a lunch. Now, you don't pack a lunch if you're just going to be in and out. He knew he was planning to be there and he wanted to have what he needed for his nourishment already there so he didn't have to leave. He just wanted to hear Jesus. But here we have this dilemma where all these crowds of people are there and they didn't come prepared like this boy. But they wanted to hear the good news of the message of Christ. Just like Christ says, you know, we don't live by bread alone. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And here he was, the mouth of God speaking, and they just wanted to hear. And they were getting tired in the daytime, but they were hungry. And everybody realized that there was a part of Jesus and the disciples. And Christ was testing them when you get here. But I want you all to see something about this boy. The boy... As small as he was, as young as he was, was faithful enough to go and learn about Christ, to learn what Christ was saying. He was in the right place. He was with the right person, Jesus Christ and the disciples of Christ. He was hearing the right message. And that's what's going on with some of our children. They're hearing messages of Satan. They're hearing messages of deception, of lies, of destruction, of things that will deter their lives until they find themselves at a death's door or at a prison door or at some door that's not for their best interest and God's purpose for them. But this lad, this boy, this kid was at the right place at the right time. And guess what he did that many of our children don't know to do? He was, became aware of something that was in need and he shared. He gave what he brought for himself and he just didn't think of himself. Our children are selfish. Our children are finding themselves only thinking about me, my, and I when God wants them to think of others. And this lad was thinking about what he's going to learn from Jesus, what he'd already been learning from Jesus. And when he understood a need, he was with Andrew and he let Andrew know, I'm willing to share this. And Andrew brought it to the attention of Christ himself. So let's go. We're going to be in John chapter six. Let's, ver let's start at verse one through nine and then we'll jump around to 12 and 13. So John chapter six, let's start at verse one. After this, Jesus crossed over the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. And a huge crowd, many of them pilgrims, on the way to Jerusalem for the annual Passover celebration, were following him wherever he went. 
to watch him heal the sick. So when Jesus went up into the hills and sat down with his disciples around him, he soon saw a great multitude of people climbing the hill looking for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Philip, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, it would take a fortune to begin to do it. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a youngster here with five barley loaves and a couple of fish. But what good is it that with all this mob, how would Andrew know about five barley loaves and a couple of fish? He had to be near this youngster, this lad, this boy. And the boy had to have his food out and offered it and let him know, hey, I got some food. Hey, you need something? I got this. Something was done that Andrew knew about it because the boy was, I said, oh, I, I ain't showing you what I got because I don't want you to have it. He was willing to share it and he did share it. And look what happens. So you see, Philip says this comment of unbelief. Christ is testing him. But then Andrew talks about the boy. Now let's go to verse 10. Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus ordered, and all of them. The approximate count of the men only was 5,000, sat down on the grassy slopes. Then Jesus took the loaves and gave them thanks to God and passed them out to the people. In order for Jesus to have the loaves, the boy had to give the loaves. We have a problem of having and not giving. In order for Christ to have what he was going to have, to do what he'd already said he knew what he was going to do, he already knew this boy's heart. He already knew what he was going to do with what the boy was giving to him because he was going to thank his father for it. And it was going to be reproduced to so much that there are going to be so many fragments left. Guess what? He can take some home back to mama and mama and daddy are going to say, where you get all this? We only gave you five barley loaves and two fish. How did you have all, the, all these baskets of fragments left? Mom, because I gave it to Jesus for his service. Jesus needed something that I had and wasn't mine in the first place. I've learned from him that all I have is from his hand and I gave it to him. And he thanked the father and he fed not just 5,000 men. It was a lot of us, mama. It was women and, and kids like me, mama. Y'all understand that faithfulness is having that heart to give, to share and the growth of seeing what God can do when you just give a little. And you see here, let's go to verse 11 and 12. Verse 11, then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God and passed them out to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish and everyone ate until full. Now gather the scraps, Jesus told his disciples, so that nothing is wasted. And the 12 and 12 baskets were filled with the leftovers. So that's a boy who's willing to share. We've seen a woman who's willing to have an interaction with Christ and goes and tells everybody evangelizing. She wasn't what you would call an evangelist. But guess what? God uses what you think is not worthy to be used. And here this boy, you say he's too young to be used. You can't tell what God is going to use, who God is going to use, how he's going to use it. Let's move on. 
We're in John. Let's move over to Acts 18. We got two people in Acts 18. I'm going to do them out of order. The first that we're going to talk about in Acts chapter 18, you're going to see his resume. But the thing about us, we get confused with resumes and don't understand that what we think in our bios are, uh, they have these fancy names for resume, curriculum, vitae, all this stuff. What we think is our background, what makes us so uppity and full of ourselves with selfish ambition, Christ doesn't look at any of that. He will see a humble heart willing to learn and grow. And what we're going to see is we're going to see somebody's bio, but then we're going to recognize that Christ is going to have the right people there to make people grow and develop. And some of us who have been in the household of faith for a long time in congregations, we can have all kinds of degrees behind our names and letters and titles and all this stuff, but you have to be willing to grow. And you don't know who God is going to put in your path to tell you, to illuminate you through the Holy Spirit on things that you may not have full understanding of. And God wants to continue to grow and develop you. I will let Reverend Helmus preach this himself. Until he had the stroke and had the sicknesses and disease, many people would always call Reverend, you know, Dr. Helm. He's not a doctor, but in a sense, but knowing the word of God, but bishop and all these things. But I can tell you through our lived experience, through his lived experience, that God has developed and grown him greatly in his knowledge and deeper understanding of Christ, his word, and the Holy Spirit, and myself. What we think we know today is not what God wants to pour in us today, tomorrow, and the future. Charles Sandley this morning as we get dressed, we heard him on TV, and he said that a lot of us spend more hours looking at these gadgets and these devices and computers than we do spending in the word of God. And I was convicted because I watch a lot of TV and movies. I'm on my phone. I do work. I'm always on these, these IT gadgets. But what about spending that kind of time when it comes to the things of God? I could be so much stronger and have a better knowledge of who God is if I were to take that kind of time. So tonight we're going to talk about Apollos. Now go to Acts chapter 18, verse 24. And here I want you to see. Verse 24 gives you his background. Now we've talked about a woman. We've talked about a boy. Now we're going to talk about a teacher. Because I want to progressively show you that no matter where you are, if you're just, I want to say, in the pews, at the door, outside the door, if you're a child, or if you find yourself even in a teaching position. I've got lots to learn. I told you many times I am not a preacher. I have not gone to seminary. I let the Holy Spirit teach me through his word. So I don't get into what Anita knows. I go straight to the word and have the Holy Spirit teach me for my understanding. And this is what you're going to find out from Apollos has training and he still needs to be taught. So our faithfulness and our growth are not one size fits all. All of us are growing and being developed by the Holy Spirit in Christ. And he does us all individually for the collective body. We're all members of one body, but we're different, we're different roles and responsibilities. So Christ is pouring into us what we need. So go to verse 24. Verse 24 says, as it happened, a Jew named Apollos, a wonderful Bible teacher and preacher, had just arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. 
While he was in Egypt, someone had told him about John the Baptist and what John had said about Jesus, but that is all he knew. He had never heard the rest of the story. So he was preaching boldly and enthusiastically in the synagogue. The Messiah is coming. Get ready to receive him. Priscilla and Aquila were there and heard him. And it was a powerful sermon. Afterwards, they met with him and explained what had happened to Jesus since the time of John and all that it meant. Apollos had been thinking about going to Greece and the believers encouraged him in this. Now, in this is the Living Translation. If you were to go and read that same passage out of Acts chapter 18 in the New King James, I want to read that because I want you to see a little flavor that's a little different. It's the same words, but the Living Translation says it's a little different. So let's go to the same passage, verse 24. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. There's his bio. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. A lot of people are excited with a passion to teach about Jesus Christ and the Bible. That doesn't mean that you still cannot learn, that you still cannot grow. You have to be faithful and wanting to continue to grow and to learn because nobody, not anybody living, anybody that passed other than Jesus Christ understands everything that's in this word of God. Until we meet Christ in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are not going to know what they know. And even then, we're still going to have revelation. It says, verse 24, let's go to 25. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord. Look at these words. Though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Achilla and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. The part I want you all to grasp is that, yes, you have to continue growing. But here's the thing that I think a lot of believers miss. Even if you are an evangelist, a teacher, you have your license, you have your ordination, you're a bishop, you're a trustee, you're whatever these titles are. Don't get so big headed that you can't allow the Holy Spirit to bring into your path another believer that he's given the knowledge that he wants you to learn more so you can continue to proclaim Christ even more accurately. He had knew what he knew. But Christ had, had experiences that he did not know until this man and wife couple came and heard him. And they loved him enough and loved the message of Christ enough to say, we want him to continue boldly speaking, fervently speaking the word, but we want him to have a greater knowledge. And they took him aside. They didn't embarrass him while he's preaching. Hey, you don't know what you're talking about on this thing. They took him aside privately and they taught him and he was Humble enough to receive the additional teaching of the Holy Spirit through this couple. That's something that we have to learn that faithfulness and growth is not a one size fits all. You can't say because you got it this way, you learned this way, that you ain't got no more learning. And nobody else can tell you this. You may be in the same opportunity as Achilla and Priscilla where you hear a preached word or a taught word and somebody is passionate about it, but you have to be willing and let the Holy Spirit use you in love 
and illuminating, sharing, expounding on things that maybe this believer who wants to teach and proclaim and preach sermons and share the message of God, you may have to tell them. And that person that you're teaching may be a younger, younger adult. Maybe somebody who doesn't feel comfortable coming to the church, but they want to teach on the street. They want to minister in the metro. They want to be so. And you may be that person say, hey, you know, let me tell you something else. Let me show you in the word something else so you know this. Be a resource to others. Be a tool of help to others because we're all supposed to be disciples and learners of the word. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. In Acts 18, Paul. Everybody knows about Paul. Paul was on the wrong side at first when he was Saul and he became Paul. But in this situation, we're going to go in that same chapter of Acts chapter 18 and we're going to start at verse 9. Because there was a scenario that people were coming against Paul and Paul had already heard from the Holy Spirit that he was going to be okay in that city because God was saying, you're not going to be harmed and he had a lot of people there. But here it is, so like some preachers, because here we've gone from a teacher preacher but now we got Paul. He's a disciple. He's an apostle. So we're trying to show you that you got a woman, a boy, a teacher who's learning, who's a preacher. He does preaching. And now we got this disciple. So I'm showing you that no matter what level of your growth in your relationship with Christ, that the Lord allows us all to grow and that faithfulness and growth are not a one size fits all. It changes. It's dimensional. It's whatever the Holy Spirit wants to pour into us at whatever time and whatever opportunity he wants to do it. We have to be humble enough. And here's something that goes on. You say, how does that show Paul's growth? Paul is so used to expounding and doing for himself. There are times where the Holy Spirit is going to orchestrate that he doesn't have to do it. That God's going to put somebody that not even saying he's a believer, didn't even say he's a Jew. He happens to be uh, a person that's in authority in the government. If you listen to Reverend Watts today out of Romans 13, that God even used the government official to stop something that was coming against Paul. The Holy Spirit can do that. And Paul had to be willing to keep his mouth shut. He was ready to say a defense. He was ready to say what he had to say, but then he didn't have to. And I'm going to read it out of the New King James. Acts, let's start at verse uh, let's see, we're going to start at verse 9 because we want to hear what God's promise to Paul was going to be. So verse 9 says, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. So Paul already got that message. You're going to have to speak. So he's getting in a situation. He thinks he has to speak up for himself, but he didn't have to in this situation. Verse 10, For I am with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. Verse 11. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. When Galileo was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul. He's having opposition that want to really take him down, destroy him. It says, verse 12. The Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law, the Roman law. They wanted to get the Romans against him. So they brought him before a, an official to try to get him. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, look what happened. Paul was about to have his own defense. It says he was about to open his mouth. He was about to go on and get him. God just told him to speak. 
And he's been speaking and he's been learning. And he was about to speak. Just like some of us. We think we got to go on and just tell him. But sometimes God has somebody else who's going to bring the message. And you and I have to learn in our growth that it's not always our speech that's going to protect and cause the situation to turn. God has people sometimes, even in the most unusual places. But here we go. And when Paul was about to open his mouth in verse 14, Galileo said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be a reason why I should bear with you. But if it's a question of words and names and your own law, look to it yourselves, for I do not want to be a judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. Now look what happens to those in opposition to Paul and the word of God. They had one plan, but look what happens to them. Verse 17, Then all the Greeks took Sophanes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. But Galileo took no notice of these things. I want y'all to hear it in the other version because it is so good. It, I'm just going to get to the last part because I almost chuckled. I really did chuckle because when God shows up and he orchestrates things, the people that think they're coming against you, I don't care how many years in the ministry, when they think you're coming against you and God is in the picture as he always is, what they mean for evil, God means for good. And look what happens to Sophonies. It says, let's go to the last uh, couple of verses here. Uh, still in 18. I'm going to start at 14. But just as Paul started to make his defense, Galileo turned to his accusers and said, Listen, you Jews, if this were a case involving some crimes, I would be obliged to listen to you. But since it's merely a bunch of questions of semantics and personalities and your silly Jewish laws, he's not a fan of the Jewish laws. He's not even taking it. He says silly stuff of the Jewish laws. You take care of it. I'm not interested and I'm not touching it. And he drove them out of the courtroom. Then the mob grabbed Sophonies, the new leader of the synagogue, and beat him outside the courtroom. But Galileo couldn't even have cared less. Woo-hoo-hoo. All right, let's go to our last one. Our last one. Time is running out. Now, Paul is an apostle. He's big time in the Christian community. Y'all know that. He goes through some things just like we do, but he has to be willing to understand that God sometimes will let others be the defense as Christ is the defense. Our, our, we talked about Psalm 91 today. God is our refuge, our ever-present help in the time of trouble. So I want to just give you a synopsis of this last one because Elijah is, he's done something. If you read uh, uh, 1 Kings 18 and 19, He's got all these false pagan prophets of Baal around him, 450 of one and 400 of the other. What is going on is that God is going to show himself powerful. And what you'll see is that Elijah is going to do a great work. And God is going to have him destroy all of those prophets. And then when the king Ahab goes back to Jezebel's wife, who these, these pagan prophets ate at her table. She fed them. She took care of them. She was their, uh, as you want to say, their champion. She was their benefactor. So when she hears that Elijah's killed them all, she sends a note saying, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. 
And this is what I want y'all to understand, even for preachers and people that are in the ministry at leadership. He's a prophet. He's just done a mighty miracle of God. He finds himself when he receives the letter. And she promises that she's going to kill him. That he runs away in fear and afraid for his life. And even as he was faithful to trust what the word of God has said to him about the miracles he was going to perform with putting that offering and pouring all that water and asking God to, to bring the fire and it happened. He was faithful and true and understanding of the power of God. But in that next instant of his life, of his ministry, he was afraid. That happens. It's not something that just happened to Elijah. It can happen to any of us. We can be full of faithfulness, full of faith. But there's an opportunity for growth when we go through fear and we're afraid. And God has to to find us in a place like he was on the run. And he says something in the scriptures. And because of time, I can't read it all. But he says, basically, he wanted to give up. He asked God to die. Even ministers and people in positions of authority, like Elijah, they can are they are faithful, they are found to be full of knowledge, full of understanding of the power of God. But you have to understand, even they have growth opportunities. And you may never see the behind the scenes. It didn't say they had a crowd of people. It said an angel came and asked Elijah, where are you? Fed him, encouraged him, told him where to go. But you have to recognize that even people in the ministry, in authority, around you, in your congregations, all over this globe need encouragement, need prayer from their congregations. Because this man got into a place where he felt so discouraged. And he said, I've had enough. I've had enough, he uses. You really have to read the scripture to see the conversation of what was going on between Elijah. I'm going to, I'm going to read only a little because I know the time. We're going to start at read 18 before you get to 19. When Ahab, I'm in verse one of chapter 19 of first Kings. When Ahab told Queen Jezebel what Elijah had done and that he had slaughtered the prophets of Baal, she sent this message to Elijah. You killed my prophets and now I swear by the gods that I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow night. So Elijah fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a city of Judah, and left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day and sat down under a broom bush and prayed that he might die. I've had enough. Do y'all hear that? This is a prophet. This is a mighty man. That if you just saw him in chapter 18, he saw the power of God. He knew God. He prayed to God. He talked to God. He was God's servant. But yet he got to this place where he's in fear and he's running for his life. Even in that state, God can grow and develop him. But he said, I want to die. I've had enough. I've had enough. Do y'all hear that? I've had enough. He told the Lord, take away my life. 
I've got to die sometime and it might as well be now. Do y'all hear that? God has to come and minister to him where he is. He's been on the run because Ahab wanted to kill him. That's why when Obadiah saw him, he says, uh, go tell the king that I'm here. And he said, oh no, I, I've done all this stuff. You want me to tell him I'm going to die? And, and Elijah says, I'm going to be here. I'm going to stay here. But yet when this letter from Jezebel comes, all of that powerful faithfulness and dedication just went out the window with the doubt and fear to know that I'm going to get killed. That's why people get so afraid of life and death. That if they go and they testify of Christ, they're going to lose their job. They're going to lose their life. They're going to get rejected. But here this man was professing God. But when this guy, when this Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you, he thought of his own life. And he, she, he knew that she'd been killing. She'd been killing a lot of people. And that she, he was on her hit list. And he said those words, I had enough. And I think sometimes we wanted everything to be super spiritual, but this ain't super where you can't understand what was going on. But this guy said, I've had enough. He told the Lord, take away my life. I've got to die sometime and it might as well be now. Then he lay down and slept beneath the broom bush. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him to get up and eat. He looked around and saw some bread baking on hot stones. And a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, for there's a long journey ahead of you. Now I can't read all of this, but God didn't find him in that state and leave him there, wanting to die, wanting to give up, wanting to say, I've had enough. He said, I need to nourish you. I need to encourage you. I need to let you have some rest. There's some emotional things going on with you. There's some physical things going on with you, but I'm going to minister to it all because I want you to be ready for the journey ahead. It's going to be long, but I'm not finished with you. There's more growth. There's more that I want you to do. And saints, as we prepare for Memorial Day, where we remember those who are gone on, we're still here. And until the sovereign Lord takes us to be with the Lord, to give an account of what we have done for God, his son, we have to remember that we're still to be found faithful. But faithfulness and the growth that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and his word, it's not a one size fit all. Each of these stories is meant for us to understand that we're all different. We're members of the body. We have different roles and things that God wants to use us to do, but it requires us to be humble before him, to submit to his will, to submit to the opportunities of the leading of the Holy Spirit, for to submit to the time to learn, to grow, to see ourselves, to see Jesus in every page and to see how he ministers to those that we see in the Bible, but to each and every one of us. There is such a harvest that's ready. For each and every one of us to take our role. It's so easy to just watch a, watch me and cut me off and fly by me and fly by the next pastor. But guess what? The time is growing shorter and shorter. And we need to get the message of truth out to the masses. The harvest is ripe and the labors are few is what the word of God says. But we have to be committed to be part of that labor force until God calls us home. I pray, God, that something has been said tonight to encourage you. Uh, don't forget about the documentary that's going to be about the burning of black um, 
Wall Street that was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I pray for you and ask God to be with each and every one of you as we're still struggling with COVID. Our sister in Christ, uh, Pastor Carter, said that her nephew needs our prayers. We don't know what God's will is, but we pray that the Lord give mercy and give kindness and compassion to all of those who are suffering for those who have lost their lives through COVID, through being in the military service and losing their lives overseas, those who have lost their lives here in our capital, all of the places that are going on, mothers and fathers losing their children to gun violence and so many sicknesses and diseases and suicides. There's a lot going on, saints, a lot for us to pray about, a lot to us for us to be serving the ministry of the Lord Jesus, to tell people how he is the hope. He is the hope for our today and our tomorrow and our future. I love you and God willing, I'll see you next Monday. God bye.